Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something. Uh, as I record today, it's April Fool's Day, and I decided I feel really bad for any woman who actually gets pregnant today, because all over Facebook, people lie. Like, they, they, like we don't know they're not pregnant. It's like the April Fool's is just, it's like those sketch shows where people play pranks on people. You have to know it's April Fool's, and then you sit there, and you look, and you go... Can people be this stupid to write something? I saw someone who's a celebrity somewhat talking about his radio show and how he was changing the format. We know you're full of crap. So do me a favor, people. It's like you get mean to people, you make fun of people, then you say April Fool's. Just don't do any jokes. I mean, don't. It, it's Nothing really works. I mean... It, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> enough about it. We have a, we have a great guest today, and uh, and he's a fellow Jersey guy. And you know, I love my yeah. people from Jersey. We have Peter Dobson. How you doing, Peter? Good afternoon, pal. Good. Yeah, we got you in. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. We we misconfused. We we got mis we misconfused. We got confusion last week, and Peter couldn't make it. And that was two weeks ago. That was a couple of weeks ago, right? But right. but it all works out. As I told him, I said, don't worry, because it's I, it's not like it's LA. You can find a guest. Like you know, I just had someone cancel today for next week, but it's like. That's all good. Yeah. You, you were so sensitive about your April Fool's opening. That's, that's what I was saying when I walked in, is that I was going to say I couldn't make it today and then just come up anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I would be like, geez. And, and the thing is, though, and, and then the thing is, because I don't know you, right. that would be like, that would be not, okay, now that's an, accept, that's an acceptable April Fool's joke. That's acceptable because I don't know you. And it's not like on Facebook when people put it like, hey, like, yeah, this just happened to me. No, it didn't. Right. And it's like, come on. You know, or, I'm, I'm quitting comedy. And then I want to say, someone put, I wanted to say, good, you should because you stink. <laughs> and then if they said I was April Fool's, I'd say it was April Fool's too, but it wouldn't. So. <laughs> right. So you're a Jersey guy. So you grew up in yeah. a, you grew up in a Red Bank. I, I, I'm from Red Bank, New Jersey. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was out there for, well, all the way until about 85 and then came out here. Now, when you were a kid, yes. did you know you wanted to act or when did you, when did that come to you? Because you're a big guy, so you probably played sports because you're tall. I'm <laughs> The only sport I played, uh, I was never. I, I loved football, but I was never really good at it. That was my brother's department. My my thing in New Jersey was uh, ice hockey. I used to play at this place called the Navasin Country Club, uh, which doesn't sound like a hockey league. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's say hey, Biff. Biff, hit the slap shot. It did sound like a very tough team, but they, we played outdoors uh, out there, and um, they had like 14, 15 teams. But it was a tough league, man. And I, I, I really, really, um, uh, probably my third season in, I got really into it. Um, but it was, like I said, it was an outdoor rink. So if it rained or whatever, we, we, the games would stop, get postponed. Sometimes I'd go to March right? <laughs> if there was any ice left. Exactly. It was crazy. So when, when, did this, when did this whole acting bug take over? Because you've been acting for a long time, and you, yeah. have, a, you have a great background. And you, I mean, I know you, you've studied, and you've, you know, yeah. you're not like just someone who said, hey, I'm going to just start acting. But when did you decide you wanted to act? Well, I was, I was fortunate, Steve. I, uh, at a very young age, um, I'll, I can remember pretty much as a kid the day I decided that I wanted to get into this racket was uh, back in... 73, I don't know if you remember Perth Amboy. They used to have a drive-in theater there. Yeah, I remember Perth Amboy. And my father took me to see a film called American Graffiti. Uh, I think I was probably about, I don't know, uh, probably about eight or nine years old. And that film left such a profound impact on me after seeing it. I used to put on shows in my basement with cardboard cut-out hot rods. <laughs> okay. And uh, do shows and so forth. And... Um, pursued it ever since and got moved to New York uh, 
in the 80s and started studying at the Academy of Dramatic Arts. Now, did you did you perform in high school too? Or? I did. Okay. Yeah, I got you know did all the you know the, the usual suspect plays, uh, Go Ask Alice, West Side Story, Fly it's, by Birdie, and stuff. It's like funny because my school, Cherry Hill East, had a very good uh, theater department. Yeah. But when I think back, no one really did it I, I, you know, I mean they did it but I know there's one guy who actually Ben Lippitz who's been on the show right. did it and he went to East then the other school and he's actually he's been a Pumbaa in uh, Lion King for 14 years oh no kidding and he did it and, and we were talking when he was on the show because he was at Pantages doing uh, that and he said yeah. that, that this guy Robert Nation was this theater, and our theater department was great but back then because I, I think I'm like a year or two older than you mm-hmm. It, no one really was doing theater like in my high school and I had such a big school and you'd think everyone was so concentrated on sports and there wasn't really a lot of people for me doing theater so was there a lot of people in your department at your school out of all the places I've studied in New York here in Los Angeles the the, the best teacher I ever had was was at uh, Middletown South High School okay um, they weren't known primarily for theater um, obviously was their fo- they were all about football there but my escape was going to the to the acting class um, throughout the week, and we would put on shows and travel to you know all over North Jersey. Uh, so it was a good excuse to get out of high school too, and, and oh, yeah. put on shows and get credits for it. But as I look back, that acting teacher was the was the most supportive woman I've ever met, and, and I still communicate with her to this very day. See, that's great. That's cool. So when you graduated high school, is Ms. that Miss Sutton, you, by the way, Miss Sutton, Miss Sutton, Middletown. See, that's awesome. That's good that you know. It's good that it makes an impact on you still, and you still talk to her, and, and you've, yeah. you've, and I think for someone like her, it's great because it made it makes a difference to her that you've done it. You know, you've been on TV, you've been in movies. You know, I mean, right. she's probably proud of all her students, but you're probably like the teacher's pet. Like she's probably sending you an apple. Well, I think there's <laughs> a few others that can't. I'm not sure which act uh, there's a few other people that came out of um well i'm not sure about middletown south but in that area i, I obviously new jersey is a plethora of talent oh, yeah. i mean look at our state oh yeah look at you danny know, devito from neptune from I believe. sinatra to tom cruise to it's it, 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 it just goes on and on and, and we on. get such a Thomas bad Edison. and we get such a bad damn rap Everyone hates Jerry, and, I, and it do you pisses think, me off. Do you think now we still get a bad rap? I think that's kind of well. When that damn show uh, Jersey Shore was out, oh. that, that's when that's when I, you wanted to bury your head in the sand. I like, had to explain to people because I, I grew up going to uh, Avalon and Stone Harbor. Yeah, and I had to explain to people. I'm like, no, it's right. n- that's seaside. It's not like that. Like you right. probably went to Spring Lake or Point Pleasant or Sandy Hook was my yeah. was my hang. Yeah. They were nice. Yeah, and the thing is, I, I would tell people. I said, yeah. If you go to Seaside Heights or Wildwood, and everyone just associated, and the problem was half those people or two thirds weren't from New Jersey. Came out from Long Island. Yeah, so uh, I, I just York. it bothered. They referred to as Bennies. If yeah, you or we called them Shoebies in South Jersey, <laughs> but it's true. I, 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 was, I was just talking to a friend of mine who said they called them Bennies up in uh, North Jersey and Central <laughs> right, Jersey. Right. But yeah, it, it's no so offense. funny. It gets a it gets a uh, a bad rap, and mm. it's such a beautiful state. Oh. And you can you you I mean where you grew up, where I grew up, we're not too far from the shore. Not at you all. You can go skiing. You can go. You're closer Anywhere. to New York. I'm Philadelphia in 10 minutes. I'm in New York City in two hours. Yeah. It was perfect. Traditionally, anybody who thinks of Jersey is usually landing at Newark Airport, so that's kind of their yeah. their impression. But again, you know, some of the most beautiful beaches are all the way down South Jersey. Like down Cape the, May. Bearings, Cape May, my God. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, even the water has a kind of a, an aqua, uh, you know, that aqua look to it. Some know, of it. Not. I remember when they had that fecal count in Ocean City years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so now, now you, you're. Going, well, that's what that was my impression. I was smoking pot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my but, god, it's. But, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Jersey has 
like you said, from skiing all the way down to the, uh, you know, the, the beaches down south. It's just some of the most picturesque places I've ever seen. So, so when you got out of high school, is that when you went straight to New York? And was it hard to get into that, the dramatic arts? It was. In those days, it was. Um, I, I, I didn't graduate high school. I, I, I made a, a decision early on um, that, as I said before, that, that I wanted to make this, this push. So I, I, um, before I left high school, I, I went and auditioned at the Academy of Dramatic Arts and, and, and was fortunate got in and then transferred from Middletown. Whoops, sorry. What the hell is that? Like a gong. That's the, that's the, the desk oh is very It's like a gong. Uh, I went to, um, uh, after Middletown South, I, I moved to New York City and, and went to Academy of Dramatic Arts for uh, two years. So you took, we took constantly took classes? Five days a week. It was just like a regular, you know, like like a school, but instead you, it was all about the arts. Ballet, dance, movement. So you, you did know. everything. You did, so you, you, you're climbing, you're trained in dancing, singing, all that stuff. Yeah, I could say I, I was. I, don't, I can't move like I used to, but yeah, but I took dance five days a week. Um, I don't know what their program's like anymore, but, but in those days it was, um, it was, uh, it was almost... Um, it had an actor's studio vibe to it. I, I've worked with some great teachers who have, who, who've, you know, managed to to uh, formulate a lot of talent that came out of that place and moved here, uh, and did very well. Now, now, when you got out of the dramatic arts, is that when you started studying with Strasberg, or yeah, I, 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 I was actually I was so obsessed. <laughs> I was doing the Academy of Dramatic Arts Monday through Friday, and then the Lee Strasberg Institute on Saturday. Okay, so you were you were full blown into it. You were like head up, but that's awesome. Though. I dove in. It was mainly just because I wanted to perform all the time. Um, and you, it's you'll probably hear this from most performers. You 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 really don't have an identity, and I, I never really did growing up. So the the best thing for me was just cr- to create characters, uh, and that's what I did. And I. You know, every time I was away from school, I didn't I didn't know what to do with myself. So I, I was always studying for a scene or or or, or getting together with a scene partner, uh, and 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 constantly you know creating characters. And that's what and and on the weekends I would do the same thing. So now, when you got out of the when you graduated from yeah. the arts, mm-hmm. what do you do then? Then do you sit there and say I, I want to start? Well, let me be clear. I didn't graduate from the Academy of Dramatic okay. Arts. Um, I went there was a three year program. I went for two two years. Um, long story short, I, I, I wanted to get to California sooner. So, um, so you knew California was your main goal. I was honorably discharged <laughs> from the Academy <laughs> and I had a, a lot of support, a lot of support there and, and then made the push to California and, uh, uh, stopped off in Dallas, Texas. I worked as a Mason for about seven months to put some money together, um, and then made the push to Monterey. Uh, up toward Santa Cruz, and 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 my first bit of big theater was I auditioned for the Royal Shakespeare Company up in Monterey, uh, and they were doing the uh, the the um, production of Mary Wise of Windsor. Now I didn't know much. Shakespeare was never my thing. It was it, I love the language, especially from the the greats like Richard Burton, who just make it you know, uh, it's just it's an art form. But I I went up there and and. Um, my sister said, you know, you should really, you know, give it a try. And so I went, uh, auditioned for this thing. And the only reason I got this role is because I was the only 19-year-old kid who auditioned for it. No, it's silly. That's good, as, though. As the young prince. But when I, after I got the role, the, the guy who played Falstaff, I don't remember his name, but he was a big, big Shakespearean actor from England at the Stratford-on-the-Avon. Um, he was a mentor as well. And uh, I worked 
really hard with him, uh, not not just with Shakespeare, but every 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 playwright imaginable we got into, um, and uh, that's a, that's another story. But he was very influential on me. And then after that production ended, I moved to uh, Los Angeles. Now, where'd you first move? I always ask my guests their first place <laughs> they moved, especially people from New Jersey, because it's so different. And, I, and I, my listeners are probably like, you're saying this again. But in New Jersey, you know where there's a bad neighborhood. Yeah. In L.A., you're clueless. You go, oh, wait a second. Right. I'm going to move here. There's gunshots. Wait, this guy, I'm right next to a, a YMCA. There's gunshots. It's such a cliche story because I, I saved some money. I, I bought a secondhand truck. And the only thing you look for in Hollywood is the sign when you first come out and that's over on Gower. Right. And I said, well, this must be the place to live. And so many people I know who moved here have the same story. They just look for the Hollywood side. That's funny. And move on Beachwood there, you know, on, uh, not Gower, but Beachwood, I should say. Because uh, that's just the familiar, familiar sign. And I lived there for uh, a couple of years uh, and started working as a busboy at, uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe. At the uh, Bev Center? At the, at the Beverly Center, oh, which wow. was the original Hard Rock Cafe. I didn't where know Peter that. Peter Morton was still uh, you know, active. He ran that place. Wow. That's so, that, that's, and that's a while back. I didn't it know. was the place back in those days. I mean, I remember, you know, I was a bar, I was a, I was a, uh, what do you call them? Barback? Thank you. Barback and stuff. But I mean, the clientele was like from Richard Gere to Sean Penn and wow. you know, all in their early 80s. It was, uh, it was quite the scene. So when you're busing, were you, were you taking classes out here? I was. Okay. I started studying with a woman named uh, Lynette Casellas out here and then moved on to, um, which was great, and then I started studying with uh, Sandra Seacat, um, who um, w- was really the one who got me my start here in Los Angeles. She, at that time, she had clients like Mickey Work and, and um, uh, Meg Tilly, and Raquel Welsh was in the class. <laughs> oh, wow. It was that a, must be pretty amazing for you, just sitting there going, wow. Look Laura at- Dern. Yeah, it was a very diverse class. I mean, people were already established, were still studying with her. Um, and from that, she um, suggested to an agent that I go in and read. Well, I got to tell you, because I always look at the IMDb, yeah. and, and honestly, and I see, I have lots of guests on, but your first role, mm. what it says on IMDb, yeah. is the best, I don't know if you know what it says about your name is, but because you know, I see stuff like the weird guy at the bar. Okay, your first role was in 1986. Mm-hmm. It was in Modern Girls. That's correct. And you're... It, you're, it says <coughs> Alan, but in parentheses it says Margot's ex who kisses like, like a, a lizard. lizard. <laughs> I just that is so funny. As like, yeah. it has nothing to do with the the, the credit. Well, it's it, because I didn't have any. They picked you know. There, I was basically went on as an, I went on as an extra on that film. I did a lot of extra work back in those days, and the director just saw me. I was wearing this crazy outfit, whatever. And she's uh, said, uh, asked me if I wanted to do this. You know. Uh, you know, silent bit, you know. And for me, I was like, well, this is my first uh, my first big break. And it was a guy who just stood at the bar looking at um, um, Matt, uh, Virginia Madsen. And uh, she lived, when she looked over, I would do that thing with my tongue. Like, you know, so like Stephen Bauer and Scarface. Right, okay. So that was my credit. <laughs> well, then from that, you jumped down. But then you ended up on Miami Vice. I did. Now, that, how did that happen? Because that was such a, and for me, a kid who's from that time. Buddy, even then. That, when I that when that show came out, it was the best. It, it, the first two seasons where there was nothing like it. Oh, we used to watch it in college. This is how bad it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We would walk around and I would go to like the chess king. Remember that store? Sure. Or DJs. Yes. And you would find like 
yellow blazers or pink blazers. We go to a thrift shop, and we would have me yeah. and my four roommates in college would have blazers. We all tried to grow the stubble, which I mean we did, but it didn't look right. Like Don Johnson's look right, and right. we I had the hair then. We tried to grow that, and we weren't going to be Don Johnson. Right. Did you but, roll up your jacket? Oh yeah, I mean we elbows. did that, but no one no one wanted to dress no. like tubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's like we don't. But it's just amazing that in I wrote my college my senior year I wrote a yeah. paper about how it was a an influence to a generation just because it was a fashion statement a music statement how did that role come up was it a big role was it a good role or how yeah it, it was up? the guest star now, I, how, how did it happen because you didn't it, have any credits before no that. i went in uh, um i just got an agent uh um uh and they sent me out and i met with uh bonnie timmerman who um who cast me in the show who made a push for michael mann and then i had to in those days, we were—I don't even think we were put on tape. Or, yeah, no, we were. I'm also thinking about remember screen tests too. I used to do a lot of those, but you don't do anymore next with an actual 35 millimeter. But 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 uh, I went in and um, got the role. So you know, you can imagine a 22-year-old kid who's—they uh, flew me out to Miami to uh, to do this episode to play the bad guy. And uh, I'll never forget my first day on set. It was with um, Tubbs, uh, Philip Michael Thomas. And I remember when he walked on set, he smelled so good. He smelled like baby powder. And, and when we were rehearsing, I was just said, hey, <laughs> can I ask you something? He goes, yeah. I go, what are you wearing? And he, I forgot. I thought he was like Jean-Tel or something. I go, man, you smell, you smell really, really good. <laughs> 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 and then we had a chuckle and then uh, uh so you know again you know that that was that was um it was surreal for me so you know i don't have to do now but it was towards the end that i that was um the fourth i think it was the fourth season so I did. now when I, season. when I go home later i'm gonna go on netflix and watch the episode I do you know who else was on it it was it was, it was an episode called the lost madonna michael chiklis okay and the girl that played tom holse's wife from amadeus was you know they got great guest stars back oh in those that was days amazing before they broke out oh, huge it was crazy I mean Julia Roberts Bruce Willis John Turturro I mean you know David Strathlon right and across tons the board. of people yeah so that must have been a great because then you went from that and you, you did a you were in a movie which I saw which was uh, somewhat disturbing last exit of Brooklyn yes now that was a great movie but that yeah. back then that was that was I think that was, what's so cool about that is that was before. That was like one of the first indie movies. Like it was more indie than other movies. And I know, I know you've, in the last few years, you've made some indie movies and you've yeah. done in your pilot and you've, you know, right. you go for that cool, you go for what movies and TV should right. be. Well, in those days, I wasn't going for anything. I just wanted to work. I, know, but I mean, recently though, like I saw, oh, I saw yeah. the preview for your the pilot with Chris. Dirty Zin. Dead, yes. Yeah, and you know, terrific, so you're yeah. going, you're going for an edgy, you're going for the, the filmmakers cut. You're not going for, hey, look at this fluff. But that's like last for right. Brooklyn well, was just dark. With Last Exit, you know, that was based on a very controversial novel that right. Robert Selby wrote back in 1964. It was banned in a lot of places, even the the, the article that he wrote. But they they printed it up in the Reader's Digest as a four part, you know, short story. Uh, then later formed into a book, um, and it was uh, years later. Scorsese optioned it, and there's a few others. But uh, you know, as, as fate would have it, or whatever, they um, it didn't work out until a German company, this guy named Uli Eitel, who made Christiana F, and all these very hardcore um, films back in the '80s. I mean, very hardcore films. Um, and the producer, Bernd Eichinger, who I think was one of the producers on Das Boot. So these guys were hardcore. Uh, and they were the perfect match to do, the perfect fit to do this, uh, to, to do this film. To, uh, it was a European approach. Um, but all shot location. And Jennifer right, Jason uh, Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee, who was, uh, to, to, for me, that's her best performance. It's my favorite performance. She was brilliant in the film. Um, 
but uh, and it was it was it was quite an experience to shoot in Red Hook, especially in those days when we literally heard gunshots going off every single day we shot. I mean, we would have to stop, and they would put us in a garage, and you'd hear a shootout going down wow. the street because there were a lot of Jamaicans down there, and there's you know, machine gun fire. It was crazy. It's since cleaned up, but but I, uh, but in those days it was out of control. And then we just go back out in the set and continue on, but it all kind of made for the vibe of what we're doing because you know you, you didn't know by going to set it might be your last day of work. And when we when that movie came out in 1990, they were screening it. A lot of people thought that this movie was going to be like Grease. Oh wow! So <laughs> uh, I remember going to see it, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman, and I was waiting online, and there was somebody handing out flyers to last exit to brooklyn and i happened to i grabbed one and i and the the the, the publicity department made it look like it like like it was a you know and it's dark i mean like, especially the end yeah. i mean it, it doesn't get darker than the, i mean so families came oh. to that screening oh, this was at the century city theater the odeon back in the day <laughs> and by oh god and within 20 minutes 80 percent of the people walked out they and and all these like good Good. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I, I go, but, but, you got the popcorn, you got the juju beads, yeah, and you go, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. <laughs> even I was like, "Whoa!" Um, but uh, you know, in those days, yeah, you're right. It was more of an indie film. I think if that film had come out at a different time, it would have, um, you know, like today or something, it would be it would be greatly more appreciated. Um, but in Europe, um, that film went on to to win every major award. Uh, around and you know and, and a very young Stephen Lang who just came from doing a performance in A Few Good Men he played right. Jack who was brilliant in that role so you had a lot of newcomers Jennifer uh, Stephen Lang who else was in that damn thing very young Stephen Baldwin was a uh, oh and Sam Rockwell's first film okay that was his first film now after that you did some set you did some TV now yeah. now what I mean it must be a transition from doing such a dark movie then you did this sitcom with Lenny yeah which Lenny Clark is brilliant you know Lenny I I know of his work okay. I know people who are yeah, friends of him. he's I mean every every comic if you're if you're over 40 you know who Lenny Clark right because right. he, he was just like the king time. of Boston comedy right I mean, you know so I mean, it must have been something different though coming from you know playing a, the movie set and then coming on a sitcom because it's, I'm sure it's a lot different. You're going from hearing gunshots yeah. to sitting there going, hey, here's craft services. Yeah. You know? I, I, it, when I got that, it was like doing a play. It was all about timing. You know? Was it a long process to get that part? Um, did you have to go to a lot of auditions? Uh, or did they... I think I went in like three, maybe four times. And the last time I went in, they put me up with Lenny. And then we just kind of improv some stuff. And, uh, and that was it. Yeah. What's that feeling? You're a young actor. Now you yeah. had you had you yeah. had been on Miami Vice and you had thing, but right. now it's like it's a sitcom world now. Yeah, totally and you, different world. And you know you're going to have a, some seasons. You know, I mean, I mean, you're going to well, have some episodes. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. it must be great. Fortunately, every company I've ever done never went. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Kurt Fuller was on mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago. And he said he's been in eight eight TV shows that yeah. have lasted less than a season. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's just unbelievable because I've been a regular in eight shows. And I go, well, that's good, though. At least you're, you're there. Yeah. But so, I mean, you must have been, you're a young guy, and now you're in a sitcom. It must have been a fun time. It was, uh, it was a great time. It was a glorious time. Um, it, I think we went on for one, maybe two seasons. I don't know how long it lasted, but uh, I, I adored Lenny Clark. I adored him. So, um, and it was, you know, it was a format that I've never done before. And, uh, and uh, you know, I appreciated the experience while, while it lasted. Um, and then did you know many more sitcoms? Uh, I, I, you're right though. It was either very dark films or these very, <laughs> or these very light, you know, pie in your face comedy. Well, you did Johnny Bago. <laughs> 
Bago, which, yeah. Which the Bago, I said, but you know what's funny about that is, yeah. Rose Abdul, your co-star, you is uh, my sure. good friend John Madam. Oh wow, is her husband, and she she was on the show, and she Love told Rose. me how she Hi, met. Rose. She's awesome. She told me how she met yeah. John was. Yeah. They were talking, and John remembered him from because he loved the show, mm-hmm. and they hit it off right then because she's like, "Oh my god!" Because a lot of people didn't watch that show, but it was good, oh, buddy. Again, you know, it was so it was a one-hour comedy. It was never been done before. Now HBO does it all the time, but this is back in 1992 or three, and you had all the top guys. You had Robert Zemeckis and Frank Marshall and um, uh, um, uh, Peter Seaman and Jeffrey Price, who wrote, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and all the Back to the Future movies everything and these guys got together and did a decided to do a, a, a comedy for cbs about a guy about this italian kid on the road in a winnebago who's on the run and his uh his ex-wife is his parole officer chasing him <laughs> it's a great idea though she, oh, was, like if that came out I'm now i'm just thinking of rose now how great if, she was if that it. came out now uh, it would be a huge hit it, 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 because it, we're getting to the, we're getting to the point where we can watch something well like that. what happened was is that show did great um, and then after it was flying, it uh, did extremely well in the ratings, and we were thought, but, but what happened was is that Robert Zemeckis wanted to take the show literally on the road. He wanted to go to a new state on location, and, and um, I think it was Universal Television, uh, CBS actually, uh, 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 said, no, we want to keep this thing contained. Here we can, and Bob stuck to his guns, and and uh, said, I won't do that. I, won't, I don't want to bring the show down in budget. He wanted to keep it in, I think it was almost a million an episode back then. Wow. So CBS said, we can't do that. And th- th- so Bob pulled out, and then the show got canceled. See, that must be, I mean, I always think, and I've talked to a lot of actors that go through this, it must be hard when you're on a project that... Just after the show got picked up, by the way. So, oh, yeah, you know? but you know, when you're on a project that you know is good. Like, yeah. when I mean, as an actor, you know, you, I'm sure, you know, you get you get certain roles mm-hmm. where you go, man, this is great. And I'm sure that show, just the whole atmosphere, and then you sit there Surreal. and you think, wait a second, I see it, these talented people see it, but the network doesn't. It must be, that's the one thing I think must be frustrating at times because when you know something is gold right? and then they say no and then just, that's more depressing. Like if you're in something that's yeah. crap and they cancel it, you probably go, okay, hey, it was, it was crap. Right. Not crap, it was right. good. But this one you go, it must just be odd. It must well, be everything, to get on a hitch, it's literally lightning in a bottle. Even today, I mean, to get on a hit show that lasts for more than a couple of seasons, you're, you, you, you struck the mother load. You know, whether the show's good or bad, these people are making nice salaries, especially today. Um, but you, but the other good venues is that, of course, all the, now that the internet is all the rage and streaming outlets, it, it's, it's really opened the door for a lot of talent directors and writers actors and so forth um that well look at what netflix has done in the past five six years netflix i, I watch mean, it and, and amazon and amazon has and, these great shows yeah and that's the way people are watching tv now and uh, it's opened the door for for a lot of really talented filmmakers now who are making that splash well i know you played elvis in forrest gump and i know you, i believe you just played elvis in hawaii 50 because <laughs> i talked to you you're taping that now yeah. when did, when did you start doing the elvis impersonator? now you've been elvis before right when did you start yeah. doing this album well, always an elvis impersonator back when I, no no i'm not an impersonator no I mean, i'm saying no but no i'm the, but you, have you got people i was who never in the caesar's palace <laughs> lounge <laughs> moonlight against an elvis impersonator that'd be, that'd be a movie i'll tell you no it exactly <laughs> crazy it, it all it all came about going back to robert zemeckis we did an up but we did a, a, a an episode where my character was in north dakota or something and he was out there taking pictures and as he developed them he saw this remember that famous 
Bigfoot pitcher when he's walking. Yeah. Well, he blew it up, and they took a, of that photo, that famous picture of Bigfoot, but he, it had these gold glasses on. And as he blows it up more, it turns out it was Elvis. That's funny. And... And so Elvis was hiding out in a in a a, a, a trailer park in, in in North Dakota, and I impersonated him. I was trying to bring Elvis out of retirement, so I would imitate him to to the, and, and then Zemeckis, I guess, remembered that, and he went in to do Forrest Gump, and he had called me and said, "Look, I'm doing this film. I'd like you to play Elvis." And uh, you know, I said, "Well, now the show's canceled. I'll do anything." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how that happened. And then from from there, yeah, so it led to st- a few other things too. To, to now, did you play guitar? Uh, yeah, I, I play guitar. Not you know, okay, the chords. But, but do you, are you are, so? Are you in the music? Um, I'm not in any bands or anything like that. But I, I you know, I, I play on my own. But sure. can you sing Elvis? Like if someone said, I mean, are you? But you have I the talent. Can, to, I, yeah, I've okay. done it a few times. See, sure, that must be cool though. Don't and, ask and, me to do it now. I'm not. I'll play that out. No, come on. I don't. I don't ask. Love me. Love me. Okay. So, so it must have been cool being in Forrest Gump, just because it was such a. I mean, it, yeah, that was a but movie you don't know at that time either. You know, that was Bob. Uh, that was no. no believe me when I tell you, this sounds so cliche when you when p- you, people talk about these enormous films. It was. It was. I think it was intended just to be kind of a slice of life movie. But the, the, uh, the intent. I mean, you knew it was a gr- it was a great script, but it didn't have blockbuster written all over it on on any level. Um, it was. But of course, when it came out in Bob's direction, and you know, I mean, it was. I, I you know, I, again, I was. What's amazing about that movie is that one best picture yeah. in the year that there was Shawshank Redemption, Shawshank, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, one other one. Well, yeah, uh, you're right. That was '94. And there was uh, Shawshank, Pulp Fiction. There was Did one you? other one, and then there's like five weddings and a funeral, which shouldn't have been there. Or <laughs> that shouldn't have even been in there. But it was one of those yeah, things that, that when that one, it was when you looked at the four of them, you go. Holy crap! That These are year. all people still watch them. Like sometimes, you know, no one watches classics. The, yeah, no one watches the English Patient. You know, no one's no. I mean, no one's in there going, "Hey, let's hang out." But people right. are going, when you flip, when I flip around and you see English, but yeah, you don't, you yeah. Think, but when you sit there, our beautiful life, great movie. But I'm not, I'm not gonna be hanging out watching. Yeah. It. But when you watch those, if you see Shawshank Gump, and you stop in Shawshank and you know, they play, it's like Shawshank, Forrest Gump, Goodfellas, Casino, you know, our Goodfellas. These are films that play. Are playing somewhere as we speak around the world yeah, right now. It's amazing, and they're, they're they films that everyone loves. Everyone loves. Yep. So now, as you're acting, were mm-hmm. people starting to? Would you get recognized when you were younger? And what was that like? Being, especially being a young kid yeah, from New Jersey, it must I, be awesome. I did. I mean, I did a movie called my first lead. I did a. It was a movie called Sing. And, that, and I read it. That was sort of like made by the people from Fame. It was the same guys who did Fame and Footloose. Craig Bay. Uh, Craig, uh, Craig. Craig. Oh, Jesus. I don't worry about it. Okay, Zayden, Z- Craig Zayden, for God's sakes, who went on to make, you know, Chicago, and he's a, you know, uh, but they, you know, they came off an enormous success with uh, Richard Bass, um, I'm sorry, um, uh, Kevin Bacon in, in Footloose, though, that was an enormous success, so that same team wanted to do that kind of a feel of, that they did in, in Footloose to bring it to New York, and, the, and they used to have these high school musicals called Sing. And that they went on a big nationwide search, and um, those were my dancing days. So a lot of that stuff I did at the academy kind of helped me out a little bit to, to, to land that role. How did you end up in the, in this search? It's, they were just was they went to the cattle calls. Or? Yes, it was. You got it. It was, first. It was a you, well. First, you naturally you would audition, do all that stuff, and then uh, you would go break, break you down and break you down. Then you'd have to do dance auditions. And then in those days, literally a screen test. I screen tested with about, I don't know, God, nine or ten different actresses and vice versa with the guys. And they just, you know, they were looking for a newcomer. 
and um, that's how that happened. Um, and uh, you know, again, you know, as luck would have it, it just came, I think it was, it's it's a wonderful film. It really is. I mean, it's very dated with the '80s stuff, but but um, uh, it just uh, when it opened, it just didn't catch on. I think people were still, you know, it, it, I guess it could come off like a. a, a a ripoff of Footloose, but it wasn't. It was with a very young Lorraine Bracco played the school teacher. <coughs> Excuse me, and 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 Patti LaBelle, and um, uh, it, it was all the all the numbers were choreographed beautifully. I I, I just saw it. Uh, um, where was it? I was at uh, my cousin's house in New Jersey uh, for Thanksgiving, and they and they whipped it out. <laughs> what was that like? At that <laughs> they whipped it out on video, by the way. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Now, what was that like though? As a young, as you're being young, and you did this nationwide search, it must be very surreal that you get the part because it's it's one of those things. That's one of those things. You're one in a million, like you know, small town yeah, boy or whatever. That was it. I mean, but that's the story right there. Was that just? It was must have been amazing for yeah. you. You must have been like on a high. It, it'd be a, it would be a happy story if the movie was an enormous success, right? <laughs> but we're talking about a film that most people haven't seen i mean they it's got a huge underground following i mean so do it, people it, recognize you from that uh when i'm in the midwest i get rec i get recognized mostly in the midwest and the deep south really why mostly for a film called the frighteners um people love the frighteners that's a peter jackson movie that plays again all the time during halloween and that's the film I get recognized most for. So how do you how do you go back from like going from? I mean, it's it's cool because you, you were dancing in a movie, then you do a sitcom, then you do a frightener movie, then right. you play Elvis. I mean, yeah, that, you got you got to be really proud of your career just because you've done a lot of avenues. You, I mean, you know, you're not like hey, just you're doing a comedy or you. And when you do a drama. You do a drama, but then you you do a, a serious movie that you dance, and right. then you do an hour-long sitcom. I mean, that must be really fulfilling. You look back; we're, we're all in this racket. Keep in mind that once once the you know there was a nice long stretch throughout the '90s that I was working a lot. I was fortunate, and then of course there's long stretches where you don't work. Um, and the fact that I'm still here doing it, it, it is just, is just, is a shock to me. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I can look back in my early twenties and say, "Wow, there's I pretty much covered the uh, the spectrum of everything uh, from comedy to dancing." And you know, I was very I was really really fortunate uh, in those days. It was a different business back then. It's, That's what it I hear. A, it it really it really was the last of an industry that talent uh, was a prerequisite to. <laughs> You had, to, you had to be talented in those days. Right. I'm not speaking about me. I'm talking about across the board. It, you know, talent was a big thing. Uh, you know, this wasn't the studio system anymore, but but it was. You know, you really had to to. They really went after talented people, which of course today is a. You just have to be a popular guy. You know. Who can you know well, flick his boogers on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, he, 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 the he guy get, will get his own show. Yeah, you get someone from like reality show. Like you know, there's a show that the girl was an American Idol, and now she's. In a, in, a, in a drama mm -hmm. on CBS, and it's like, wait, they really didn't do anything. Like, like it's 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 so funny. Yeah, it's it's like time. when I did comedy, it was like you know you, you had to get your chops. You know, you had to get your chops. You know, of you course, could, especially and, in comedy. Look at Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. We just spoke about him before. I mean, Dice. I mean, the funny is Dice was so big, but then he dropped. Well, then he came back. But and, I always knew. I, I've I've known Dice since the very beginning. We were always friends. Like, how did you meet him? Um, ironically, I met him in 1990 or it was 1990 originally. We, he was doing a TV sh a short-lived show. And I was doing a short-lived show, and we were both on the same lot. Okay. And that's how we met. And then we did a film together, and that never came out. With it's called The Good Life, which is the, the, a hidden gem, with me, him, Frank Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, Dennis Hopper. 
this crazy movie. Can you find it on Netflix? Or no, I can only find it at Dice's house. It, it, what was it about? Three guys on a golf course. They got to kill their best buddy by the 18th hole. There was an order from the mob that I had to go. So Dice and my and Frank were my my two buddies. And by the 18th hole, they had to kill me. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and it was kind of a serious film. It, I mean, it had comedy in it, but but long story short, the movie was. <laughs> oh man, it. it it went through all these directors, and then Dice just decided to take it to a different direction. <laughs> and he, when Frank would be doing monologues, like thinking he was, you know, like Marlon Brando, Dice would stand behind him and imitate him, and the director let it happen. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and I'm trying to stay in character, but the finished film finally came out, and it was hilarious. What happened to that movie? Which would have had a great, great um, following it, had it come out. Is that when it when they took it to the Cannes Film Festival, they put a giant poster of Sylvester Stallone, like he was the star of the wow. film, and Stallone sued the company and won because he he only had a he was he was in it for about fifteen minutes. Uh, actually, with my I got to work with him and um, and uh, he he stopped the movie from coming out. That's, own, his own brother too that's crazy yeah and it's yeah. just like the damn people who did the pr that's right. you blame that on the pr people but that's how i met andrew and uh, that's when i started working with andrew and i always but i even though i noticed that andrew was a phenomenal actor not many well, people know this well, a lot and people, i always told andrew this well a lot of people don't know and i remember him from from crime story crime story and when he played dice in a movie called making the grade right. which i loved i thought right. that, i don't know I how that, that movie wasn't a hit <sighs> but that's the thing like we knew dice from comedy but when he was on crime story mm. he was a serious he was a serious actor and you know i mean it, it takes it it's a he's kind of he's having a resurgence now i mean it was really that when woody allen was going to use louis ck and then dice came in and changed his mind and they went with dice for the sensitive you know um uh guy the, right. the um, who was looking for money and so forth I and mean, he was wonderful in the movie i think if he was, if, if he was in a bigger he probably he could have got nominated if he had a if he was in it for another 15 minutes or so but that was a sure sign of of his kind of his second chapter um and uh, um, he, 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 uh, I think Showtime, did, yeah, Showtime just picked up a show, kind of very much in the spirit of a Larry David show, but it's, okay. it's, it's about Dice and his ongoings in Vegas. And uh, his boys, Hot Cub, I was at Club Soda Kenny and yeah, Hot Cub Johnny. Yeah, all those guys. It's just so funny. Yeah. So now you, you play you, you play a mobster every once in a while. Now you also played uh, the story Cover Me. That was, yes, Cover Me. So, Good experience. So, but now you're not Italian. No, I'm Irish. I was thinking because Dobson's an Irish yeah, name. Especially you, in those days. I was play, getting so many Italian roles. Yeah, because you played Callahan on Lenny's show. <laughs> yeah. And then now, true, now, now that's got to be weird. Because like, like, for this the show, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge... I'm a, I'm a huge FBI crime thing stuff. Yeah. So in this FBI movie, you played a crime guy, right? And that, are you talking about Cover Me, the show for USA? Yeah. Or the one I'm. Oh, yeah, that was a. a, a I was based on a true story from a guy named uh, Brown. His name I forgot his first name, but his last name was Brown, and he took his family. Um, he was undercover, deep undercover guy who would have some his 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 he would wire his daughter if he was going after a mob boss or a drug dealer, or whatever. He would get his kids involved. With, and if they had families, he would wire his kids to go hang out with their kids to, to get info. And uh, he was later murdered. But it made for good fodder for television. And, and, and the show was, uh, you know, t again, it was uh, by the very creative mind of, 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 of Sean um, Cassidy. And, um, Sean Cassidy, the singer. Yeah, he's a great writer. I didn't know that. No, I, no cause I, I think do run run. And, yeah. Well, everybody does, but you you check him out. He's got a history. He's got a lot of successful shows on TV, and he's he's really known for, for for his creative. Uh, See, that's awesome. Book. I yeah. love that. 
And um, and then, uh, yeah, we did that for two seasons. And again, it's a long story, but that show got, only got canceled because when, when and we were off, we had enormous ratings on that one, too. And a um, uh, Barry Diller sold the network to a woman, and she thought our show was too racy. And then I noticed they had Burn Notice, which was a, kind of just a very G-rated version of what we, what we have already done. But Cover Me the f- was truly, one I've creatively was one of the, probably the most fulfilling experience of my life. I loved working on that show. And it, it, uh, Melora Hardin, who went on to play um, in the office opposite Steve Carroll, and a kid named Michael Angarano, who's a phenomenal, grown up now, uh, phenomenal young actor. Um, uh, 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 he was the kid from... Um, um, uh, that film, almost famous. He played the okay. little, he played the little boy in the beginning. All right, that's where they found him, and now he's working. And he works constantly, and he's a really serious actor. This kid, I, I think this kid's going to break soon. Now you've been acting for for a long time. Yes, and now you recently forayed into directing and producing and writing. Yes. Now, what made you want to do that? Did you did the you best and worst experiences of my life? Because I I want to get behind the camera. I've heard producing and directing is great, but the same thing, it can drive you up the wall because it's. Everything is on you, and it's you not. It. And you have to work. It's like this. My girlfriend is. Uh, she has a. She's a public speaker. She has a business go. But yeah. right now, she's getting some extra work. So yesterday, she did an extra on a Fox pilot. And oh, is that on her bucket list? She wants to. Yeah, you know, she just said she goes. I want to make some extra money. Okay. She goes, and she doesn't want to be an actress. Uh, she has. A, she has no. No. She yeah. said, but she likes TV. So that would be fun. Okay. And she good did it her. yesterday, and she was only set for 14 hours yeah. and she was in that and I go well just think what the grips are on for 16 and the producer and the director are on for like 20 right. and that's the thing when she goes oh I'm tired I go I understand but I go and she goes yeah she goes there's people there before us so the producers you guys when you when you get involved in that yeah. you have a vision but I'm, then, sure, I'm, I'm sure after that extra experience I bet you I bet you she won't do it anymore because all you do, all you do is wait around all day and be treated like cows most yeah. of the she, she's been lucky cattle. actually she's been lucky she said you know, she worked on some uh, a few she's been on a few shows okay and uh, just for her it's like something like she does like once or twice a week. Well, then, it's good because I can I, I get to hang out and watch you, what I went on TV yeah you know? <laughs> so you so got to be a glutton for punishment. And like everything else, our industry is the hardest industry in the world. And to do it, you have to literally, the, the, the rejection, uh, you, there's got to be a chip in you. Uh, normally, anybody who gets rejected five or ten, t- five to ten times will look at something else. You know, whether you're on a job interview and you're, say, if you want to, you know, look at, to, be, for, to, be, to be an architect and you're, you know, showing your work to various companies and whatnot and you keep getting turned down. Ultimately, that individual may, may choose something else. In our industry, you can be rejected for four f- freaking years, five years, and, st- and the people who stay, th- those are the people that, that, you know, they say, well, how'd you do it? And I, I just, you know, I was lucky, but, it, you know, I told you before, that, you know, there's times I didn't go for a long time, man. But it's, you just, there's a chip in you. There's a resilience. You just there's a resilience. Perfect. That's the word, buddy. Resilience, uh, unlike no other. And, 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 um, and I, you know, I go back to the 80s when I came out here to most of the people I've known are now gone, with the exception of a few. Look at Jennifer Jason Lee, speaking of the devil, who's working with Quentin Tarantino now. And she had a long time of not working. I don't know if that was by choice or what, probably by choice, but, you know, um, <laughs> I use a lot of that time because ultimately I knew I wanted to get behind the camera. I, okay. I mean, I, I am. Uh, it, it's something that, that that again, it was just a burning thing. And 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 being my film school was wor- working on a lot of sets and working with great directors like Robert Zemeckis and Peter Jackson. 
which were highly influential. So um, I started getting into writing and all that stuff. Well, I know you, because I, I saw you you post on Facebook, you had a short. Yes. Which was, uh, you were in a cool car. Yeah, well, that's based, uh, that's, that's a, we're developing that into a screenplay. Uh, it was a short film called Exit 102. Okay. At, at Pat Asbury Park, New Jersey in the summer of 74. Now, did you write that? Yes, I wrote it with uh, my writing partner, Mark Klebanoff. Okay, now, why Asbury Park in 74? Because in those days, it was literally, I remembered, I was there. There was, there was a thing called the circuit. Um, and it, Asbury, it was kind of the beginning of the end in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Asbury Park back in the, in the, in the 50s and 60s was a huge hot spot. It was like Atlantic City it was, was, and they just if disappeared. If you didn't want to go to Atlantic City, a lot of people wanted to do something closer. They would go to Asbury Park, which was a giant music scene. I mean, from the Doors to Tommy Dorsey at the Paramount Theater to, to, to you know, uh, Red Bank's Count Basie. Th- that w- Asbury Park was extremely focused on music. It was all about music. Uh, and then, of course, you had the amusement park down the road there, the Palace Amusements for families. Uh, and as time went on, of course, this unknown kid uh, from Freehold, New Jersey, <laughs> known as the boss, would, would go there as part of the music scene and obviously put that place on the map. But I remember the cruising scene on the weekends, and they had a thing called the Circuit on Ocean Avenue where they, they would do local drag races. And the cops would just turn a blind eye. There was just too many of them, all the muscle cars. And I just remember all the music coming out of the clubs. It was really a, 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 like a, an East Coast version of American Graffiti. And, and I've always had, I've been sitting on this idea for a long time because Asbury Park has never been featured in a film yet, which is amazing to me. They've shot location like The Wrestler how Asbury Park is now, which is kind of barren. It's right. Ten years ago, it was a wasteland. Now it's been renovated. Um, but I wrote about that scene, as I remember vividly as a kid. Um, and um, that's that's what we're into right now. So I made the short film in 2009. Was that your first foray that into directing and producing foray and, and writing, pretty much? Everything. Now, that's got to be scary, because when you're, horrifying. when you're an actor, you're, you're... I worked with a crew that worked to get, uh, that we did not get along. I was... Uh, it was just me and the actors. How, did you, find, myself how did you find the crew? I worked with some terrible people. And unfortunately, that was, I was, like I said, that was a great experience, but it was a horrible experience because I worked with the wrong people uh, who were, I won't get into it. Let's just put it, put it this way. Jersey has a lot of criminals, too. There's okay. another element in Jersey you don't want to deal with. But, <laughs> I don't, um, but, but um, uh, after it was done, I learned. I learned, I learned, and you, you learn from your mistakes. It's, that cliche could not be more true with filmmaking. You've got to learn. You have to make the mistakes. And I, I keep making them to, to today. But it, 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 it certainly um, put me to another place where I did my next one, which was a film about a moonshiner, kind of based on uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Now, is that a short or a full? That might be the hot rod. That was a short I did. You always had cool cars I, I'm, I'm, and a cowboy hat. I'm a, yes, that was, that was White Mule. Okay. And, and that, that's, a, like I said, that was based on... It, it's a moonshiner in the desert, kind of like Dirty, Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry mixed okay. in with Smokey and the Bandit and shot that in the with a great crew. Now, so, how did you... Was that your... You wrote that too? I wrote that as well. How did you come up with that idea? Where does where did it come from? Because it's such a uh, different story. I mean, it's such a different... And just for, you, for even to say... My you. brain really, you know, creatively, my brain always goes to machinery. I love cars. Uh, you know what you got to do? What's that? You got to remake Mother Jugs and Speed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Raquel Welsh. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, but but I, I, I just... Um, I was... I, I'm a movie fanatic. Uh, I grew up with movies. I watch them to this day. And a lot of the ones that, of course, you know, I mean, from the 30s and the 40s to the glorious days of the RKO days of film noir all left an impression on me. But it was always the movies from the 70s, those 70 drive-in movies that left an impression like Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry and Smoking the Bandit and so forth. American Graffiti being the biggest. Right. That's what 
as I'm open up saying, not to just a giant, and then being from that area, uh, Red, Bay, Red Bank um, uh, was very close to Asbury Park, and I would go there every weekend. But the White Mule, how did that come uh, up? And then White Mule just was kind of um, an extension of that. Um, Wait, that was what, a short or full? It was a short film, okay. but it did very well. We, 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 uh, it got accepted in 16 film festivals across the country, a lot of major festivals. It won one, and then we, uh, uh, the Cannes Film Festival had a short category that we got into as well. So I, I went out to Europe to screen it out there, which so, went beautifully with the German people. They love cars, man. So you, you, you produce this and you direct it. Yes. And you're in it. Yes. Okay, so when you get done, now you, you put, you've put in all this time and effort yeah. into it, yeah, which no must be exhausting. There's no money in short films. You, and, and then, yeah, but and that's true. And then also though, a, after you put all this time and effort into it, then you gotta do the whole thing again to submit it to festivals. You do it because you wanna start building your resume as a director. Okay. You gotta start somewhere. So the best format would be the short film uh, format, and um, and white, and it's like you know building a resume all over again, starting all over again, uh, and that's that was always the intent behind it. You know, you got and 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 let me tell you something. What that movie was not cheap. I mean, it wasn't millions, but for a short film, <coughs> um, I had to dish out a lot of my own money as well, and I had an investor that put in a really big chunk of change. Uh, because I, I had an, the only way to do this was to do it correctly. I couldn't. I didn't want to take any shortcuts. Um, in uh, in this case, and uh, I got a DP uh, named Ron Vidor, who, who who previously, you know, his 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 resume goes back to Stand By Me. He was a Steadicam operator. Okay. Stand By Me, Jaws. He did a lot of the underwater stuff. He had this incredible classic. All the movies that I love from the '70s, he was a Steadicam operator uh, in those days. Handheld. He, his resume goes on forever. But I, I got him aboard. To, to, sh to shoot um, White Mule. And of course, working with someone who, who, like that, again, teaches you a lot, that your crew is everything, particularly your DP. Um, uh, th that, that is your extension. Now, where do you draw from your directing style? Do you, do you draw it from being in so many projects through your career? Right. Do you draw it for, from the people you admire, or do you draw it from the people who were dicks and you want to do it the exact opposite? Both. Okay. Definitely both. Both, both. You know, you learn from your mistakes, but the influences go back to, you know, watching films. A lot of filmmakers will tell you, go to USC or UCLA. I mean, they, 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 they look at all the works of Stanley Kubrick and and on and on and on and I've watched those movies you know meticulously but do you take it from experiences but, you've had on set yes I do but I'm saying those are the, that's the influence okay that's the influence but the of course the ex the actual experience was from working on sets for so long and really paying attention like and even on last exit when I wasn't working I was just standing next to Uli Idol watching this guy direct it's so funny I think that's an, and that also Transverses to the comedy world, where like when I was doing comedy, when I worked at the club, mm -hmm. you always watch the comics. But yeah. now people don't do that, and it's so funny because, and I talk to actors who like you have been around and have had a career. You sustain, right. as my as my guest yesterday said, when you come out, there's 700 people and maybe 50 percent are talented. Right. After. 10 years, there's 370 and there's 25, well, 50. Yeah. and at the end, there's 100 of us and we're all talented. Right. And that's, and it's because of the attrition. So, but it seems like everyone who does it, they that's said they, so true. they always watch and they watch a director and they learn. Now, you directed these shorts mm -hmm. and then now you decide to do a pilot. How, now, how did that come? Because that's even probably more, because my feeling is if you're doing a pilot, what happens is you have to, Plan long. I'm helping. Uh, I was helping. We don't know where it's going. I was helping Yakov Shmirnov with a pilot, a comedy pilot, and we're sitting there. And we, you know, I came in late because he was a guest That's on my the show. Russian and we, comedian, yeah, yeah, and we, yeah. we talked, and I said, you know, I could help out. And for us, it's like you're planning it, and then we're sitting there going, well, you have to, you know, 
you have to get the first episode, but then you have to sit there and, and think of 20 more. Now, how did, and it's a big, how did you decide to do a pilot? Yeah, okay, I was approached. Uh, very much like how you and I met our, you know, by chance, I was on an audition. An actor approached me. Uh, he, he was also on the audition. Uh, his name is Kevin Interdonato. Now, that's an Italian name. And he said, did you do that uh, short exit 102 I saw in New Jersey? And I said, yeah, yeah, that was me. And he said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking, and, and, and he said, you know, I've been developing, I'm involved in this TV thing that I'm doing with a writer from Germany um, of this film noir show. Um, and um, I said, well, you know, send me the treatment and whatnot. And they did, and I, I really liked it a lot. I didn't think I was going to, who knew? I, I didn't know this guy. And then he sent me the material, and and they they it was so well done. All thirteen episodes were thought. I didn't write any of this. So it, it was all written out. No, this was all uh, the third. All the all the story arcs were all the, the, there. Naturally, the pilot was written, and then all thirteen episodes okay. that, that if the show got picked up were already storyline. Every single. I mean, these guys really had their their their, their everything together. Um, and uh, you know, with the pretent of of what we were just talking about before, um, well, there's a lot of streaming outlets and there's so many cable outlets that are looking for content. So that was the intent behind this one. And again, I got so involved in it because I loved working with these people that I reached out and got a DP for these guys because I wanted this thing to be have a cinematic look. So as of my producing uh, hat definitely went on this one. Did they bring you in as an actor, director, or both? They brought me in initially on, as an actor strictly. Okay. And then as time went on, um, there was, you know, they, they're, they're, they're very young. I mean, they're, 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 uh, Greta Heinemann is, was fresh out of Germany, um, which was impressive because her take on noir was genuine just like the german you know influences of x and back back and that stuff so she she had a true vision of what i mean it was just so incredible she was 26 25 when i met her and kevin um this this very talented upcoming actor so as time as we were you know getting into production i said i started making suggestions about, you know, you just shoot it like this and blah, blah, blah. And then one thing led to another. I said, you know, maybe I should just come out. How would you feel if I came out as a producer and really helped out on this thing? And that's what I did, right down to the post-production. I got involved in all the editing, the music, uh, everything. Um, and I, I, I'm really, really damn proud of this thing. I, I really saw the am. trailer. Yeah. I, I think you had posted the trailer. I, I, I did. I posted. And then I ta- I, I, what I do is I post things and I take them off real quick. I, put, I don't let things linger too much. I, I think cause I, it was one of those days I think I caught it. I yeah. was just flipping because you know how Facebook yeah. is. And it, and it had a good look. Yes. And, and, it's, and it, that's the kind of stuff I like. And it's like I, I just started watching the show Bosch. Right. On, Bosch, uh, yes. On, yes. On, uh, Amazon. Amazon, yeah. And, yeah Titus Welliver. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's got sort of like a... Uh, like yours, it's sort of, it, it's got like that grainy look. Right. What I like. Well, this I, is a little bit more kind of glossy than that. It's it's more kind of, the, 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 the vibe really is a Michael Mann in Chinatown kind of vibe to this. It's beautifully shot. Um, and it's a presentation, so, uh, you know, I get to put in pretty much any music that I really wanted. You know, I, now, how do you get the music? Well, because it's a presentation, you can use anything you want, because we're not selling. If the show sells, obviously they would have to get the rights. Okay. Or you can get, uh, there's a lot of bands out there that recreate classic music that, that do it very well. Um, but I, 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 we were thinking about doing an original score, and I, I'm the one who suggested rock and roll from the, six, from the 70s be, uh, because it takes place in California, and all, all, this, all the great groups from the Troubadour, like the Eagles, right. Linda Ronstadt, and Joe Walsh, goes on and on and on, you know, all those guys from the 70s. I thought it would be very influential for, our, for this show because that sh- our show is set in this area. 
So I said, we should go for a California rock and roll soundtrack. And it worked. So that's, that's synonymous with the show. And uh, it actually, we're screening it on May 28th at the Real Deal, at the Real D Theater in Beverly Hills. We just booked the theater yesterday, See, actually. that's awesome. Yeah. We have a few minutes left, just a few yeah, minutes sure. left. Um, now you have Hawaii Five-O coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's another Elvis thing. <laughs> but, yeah. but that must have been great, because they sent you over there. Well, uh, very quickly, they called, uh, uh, my agent, was, and they called, I said, would you go to Reef this? I said, no. Go to what? Uh, would I go in and audition? Oh. And I said, no way. I, I said, look, you know, you can send them some tape. There's enough stuff on me they can go online and look or just send them up you know just go on youtube or whatever so i turned it down and then it, they came back about a month later with that and then they just came back with an offer and uh you know it's why five oh you know so but but it, uh, i had i was just there a couple of weeks ago we just did it that must be great though they do going to hawaii for free <laughs> to put on that jumpsuit one more time <laughs> yeah it's, it's the comeback now now you're you're in the films the the, the shorts yes exit 182 wait exit <laughs> wrong exit man that's birthday boy what exit 102 now Asbury park can i find that somewhere well you can yeah you can there's a website exit 102 themovie.com that you can visit we are we are in the process of of, of raising financing we're talking to some really big people right now uh, who, if we can attach them, you know, again, filmmaking is a catch twenty two. Right. You got um, uh, But we're not asking. I, I won't shoot this for lower than. I'll tell you the budget. I have it at five. I have it at five and a half million dollars, which is a very low budget for a period piece. I don't want to make a movie that I can't be true to for three hundred thousand dollars. Right. I can't. Or even a million five, which we, I, I can't. It, it won't be that film. So we we we've budgeted this correctly. We have investors. If I can get one of these names that we're in talks with right now, just to give me their name, I can get my I can get my financing. That's where I'm at with this right now. And but can I see the short somewhere? Absolutely. Exit one hundred two themovie.com. So it's there, so I can go watch it. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's the that's a trailer on there. Okay. Um, I'll send it to you. I tell you, and, and the other one, the uh, White Mule, you can see online. Okay. White 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 Mule. Actually, I posted White Mule uh, White Mule film page. You could you can watch the full twenty minute short. Okay, because that's, that's cool. I love stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, I, I just I love seeing shorts and just different stuff. And yeah, I'm getting more. You know, because since my girlfriend moved out here, I don't go out as much anymore. So I'm in the house a lot, <laughs> yeah. and I and I enjoy watching TV. Right. And you know, and now you know, I go to go to my desk, put my right. headphones on, and watch something cool. Right. I mean, you'll right now. I don't think there's a lot of versatility. Everything is hot rods and cars and racing. But I I I think the thing with White Mule, you'll be you'll be in for a huge surprise because that movie's not what it appears at all. It's it's got a it 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 it's it, it, it's only masking as a as kind of a a, a dirty a dirty Harry crazy Mary movie, but it's really not. I want to thank you for coming on. This okay. is fun. And uh, and now, are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. Okay. No, How can uh, people uh, catch uh, up with uh, you know Facebook and stuff. Yeah, Facebook. So predominantly, look him up on Facebook. It's yeah. Peter Dobson. Look up his work and uh and yeah. So follow him. Go to his IMDb page. Check out his stuff. I hope and, this was an interesting interview, buddy. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was great. And so people follow. Uh, go to Facebook. Check him out. And now follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk or go to my website CooperTalk.net. I have about 360 episodes up, and you can find them also on iTunes and Stitcher. Just type in. Cooper Talk, one word, and you can also go to your Android, the Google Play Store. I have the Cooper Talk app, so you can find that and send me an email, Cooper at CooperTalk.net, and also go to my new website, StopTheSalt.com. It's my uh, cookbook, the low sodium cooking for one without killing yourself. Nice. You know, when I went through my health problems, I had to, you know, change my diet. So I have 120 recipes in there. 
very easy. It's basically, there's no pictures. You won't be intimidated. There's not 97 spices because that always happens. Well, it's working like, because you look great, Steve. I know. I'm, in, I'm, I'm in feeling very, good. Very striking And man. so, oh, thank you. See that? Yeah, you know, people would just think that, you know, except for my lazy eye. I'm all right. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but see, go to StopTheSalt.com. It's $9.99 plus $3.99 shipping. I will sign it for you. Or if you have Amazon Prime, go to Amazon and buy it or Barnes & Noble. You can buy it online. However, I make more money if you buy it at StopTheSalt.com because I cut out the middleman. So do that and send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net. We have uh, Rich Scheidner and Nick Bakai coming in next week. Two great, one's a great comic, one's a great writer. Uh, yeah, keep following me at Twitter, okay? So I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, keep living healthy, being healthy, and be happy. I will talk to you next week. Thank you, Steve.